everything that is needed for the forgiveness and for the remission of our sin. That word propitiation, in its original context, the meaning of that word is a reference, listen to this, it is a reference to the lid that sits on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. He is our mercy seat. But whenever, whenever we're talking about the mercy seat, something that, that just kind of lit up in me, I, I understand that he's our mercy seat. And if we had a picture of that mercy seat, you'd see that, that there is where there was a sprinkling of the blood when the priests would come in and, and they would offer a sacrifice before the Lord to deal with the sin of the people for a year and they would push it ahead. And it's covered, there's wings that cover over that mercy seat. It just talks about our covering. It talks about our completeness. It talks about our righteousness. It talks about our holiness. It talks about all of, all of those things that the Bible says that it was that righteousness was given to us at the mercy seat. But the other thing that happens with that lid, that covering, is over that uh, Ark of the Covenant. Within the Ark of the Covenant, there is the tablet, the stone tablets that uh, where where God gave Moses the giving of His word, the giving of the law, the precepts of the of the kingdom of God, the foundational precepts of the kingdom of God. There is a bowl of manna. The Bible says that was put in there. That was a, that that speaks of God's complete provision. We have the word of God, we have the provision of God, and then there is in that Old Testament story that we don't have time to go back and grab this morning, there's Aaron's rod that budded, Aaron's, Aaron's stick. That dead stick that, that buds burst forth on so that the, the message to us is that I am the God who brings life from dead things. He is the propitiation. He is the lid. He, he, he has finished the work and everything, the fullness of the Godhead that now bodily indwells the believer. All that God is, is in you. And the Holy Spirit that is in you says to you, here is the word of God. Here are the precepts of God. Here is the provision of God. Here is the completeness of all that you have need of that you do not lack in me. And then here, if, if it gets really bad, I'll just bring forth life out of dead things. So when you read that word propitiation, now when you're reading in the, in the old King James and you come across that and you're like, propitiation, what is that? Oh, that's everything I need. Amen. That's all that God is made available to me. That's all that God is deposited in me. And then you recognize, uh, you know, if you go down through the ages and you realize that here sits the Ark of the Covenant. Jesus goes to the cross. He completes the work. The earth shakes. And that veil that's always kept man out of the presence of God is torn from top to bottom. It's ripped in two. And, and, and there's this great invitation. Come on into my presence. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Come on into all that I am. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Whosoever will 
may come. I'm going to say this again. The Bible says whosoever will may come. And, and, and I, I love that passage of Scripture, but it always amazes me that some won't. There may be people sitting under, you may be here in this room this morning, and the, in, there is a great invitation from the Lord for you to come into His presence, to come into relationship with Him. And, and, and He says, Whosoever will may come, come, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice, I'll open the door and I'll come in and commune with him and he with me. And I don't understand why when He says, Whosoever will may come, that some will and some won't. But I want to challenge you today that you have an invitation to know Him. This isn't just about getting your sins forgiven. This is about being in relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is about being in relationship with Him. Ephesians 1, 19 uh, through 21 says something like this. He raised Christ from the dead. He set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. He set him there above all, uh, all other uh, power, uh, all other dominions. In other words, he set him over even uh, over the, the enemy of your soul. He set him above him. Above every name that is named. Well, poverty is a name. He's above it. Lack is a name. He's above it. Sickness, disease. Name it. He's above it. Oh, uh, we need to, in verse 21, they're far above all principality and power and might and dominion. What does all mean? Come on, that's one of those big words in Scripture. That that we shouldn't blow past those big words in Scripture. We should apply them as they are written. He he set him above all principality and power and might and dominion. Every name that is named. Not not only in this world, but in the one to come. In other words, this is forever established. That he set him above all. So when you're going through something in your life and you're facing a challenge, the, the, the Bible says uh, that these things come and go in our life, that we have these days of trouble in, in life. Well, whenever that comes along, you, all you need to do is declare, wait a minute, he was set above this. Let's start with that. He, he finished his work and he was seated at the right hand of the Father. Uh, he is seated above this. But don't stop there. If you stop there, you don't get the full picture of the impact that this whole experience that Jesus went through for us has on our lives. Because Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 goes on to say, God raised us up together. Oh, come on. You ought to be a little bit Pentecostal right here. God raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is that saying? Here's here's God the Father. Jesus is sitting there at his right hand in the seat of authority. And then God says, y'all come and sit here with us. You got an invitation to come and sit at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of the majesty on high, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. You are seated there. Mm. Yeah, I think we live so far below our potential most times. The enemy comes in, 
And the Bible says that, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus said, that I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we get all hung up on and focused on kill, steal, and destroy, and we forget all about life abundantly. We get our focus in the wrong place. Our focus, the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher, he that begun a good work in you is able to bring it to its completion. He's not finished with you. Thank God he's not finished with me. My wife will say amen to that, right? Probably my kids will too. God raised us up together, made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So many times in our teaching, no matter where we're teaching from, this comes up. It is a reminder that we are seated in the seat of authority. Somebody say authority. Say authority. We are seated in the seat of authority. Far above... All power, principalities, uh, might, and dominion. Everything that the enemy can throw at you, you've been... mm. Everything that the enemy can throw at you, you've been seated above it. We talked a little bit last week, and I'm just reiterating. I know we talked a little bit about this. Your perspective is no longer horizontal. When you're driving down the road, you can only see so far because there's a little bit of curve to the earth. You get to the end of that, the end of that horizon, and that's all you can see until you go a little further and you see a little further down the road. When you live your life as one who is just going down the road, you have limited sight regarding your circumstances. But when you live, I'm teaching you now, listen to me. When you live as one who is seated above. If you've ever been in an airplane and ever had the nerve to look out the window, you see that your perspective is completely different. Number one, when you're, front, when you're looking from above, you don't see all the mess. Even, even ugly is pretty from up there. You don't see all the mess. You don't see all the details. You get a larger picture. We need to view life the way God sees. You need, to view, you need to see your life the way God sees it from his perspective. The only way to do that is to do that as one who is seated above. When you are dealing with your, your extended family members, those ones that you don't get along with so well, you need to do that as one who is seated above. You need to see that whole circumstance through, through God's eyes. Much of the time, whenever we're dealing with the difficulties of life, the reason that the difficulties of life stay difficult is because we're unwilling to see them the way God sees them. Because if we see them the way God sees them, when God shares with us how he, what his perspective is on a circumstance or a situation, the first place he starts is with the matters of our own heart. And unless I'm willing to be changed, unless I'm willing for him to deal with me and my perspective, unless I'm willing to be changed from the inside out, then my circumstances cannot change. 
every time, every time without fail, that I have had God uh, miraculously change circumstances that I'm involved with. He started with my perspective on those circumstances. He started with me seeing that circumstance the way he sees it. And then speaking over it the way he is speaking over it. If we are seated together in in, uh, heavenly places in Christ Jesus, then we are seeing what God sees and we are hearing what he says. And when we see what he sees and we hear what he says, we begin to say what he is saying. Over your children, you need to be saying, what he is saying. Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm on. Just let that hang on the air. Okay, so Hebrews, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to just read through this real quick and then we'll come back and, and unpack it. Therefore, we must give a more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels uh, proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first uh, began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed by us and those who heard him and also God bearing witness both with signs, wonders, various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Isn't that wonderful? Let's unpack that a little bit. They continued steadfast. They continued steadfast. In the apostles' doctrine, they continued steadfast. Let's start with that and then we'll move forward. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal, toward the prize of the upward call. Uh, uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, Be not conformed uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This This is the way that we continue steadfast. In the Apostles' Doctrine. This is the way that we continue steadfast in the things of the Lord. Now, in chapter 2 and uh, verse 1, he said, the first, he says, How shall we escape? I'm going to ask you this question. How shall we escape if we neglect? I, want, I, want, I just want that to stir in your heart for a minute. How shall we escape if we neglect? We're supposed to continue steadfast. How, how do we escape trouble if we neglect? How do we escape uh, what the enemy pushes our way if we neglect? Let me read uh, uh, Romans uh, chapter 6. Verse 18 says, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And he says, I'm speaking, and the apostle says, I'm speaking in simplicity here. That's what he's saying. I'm speaking after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to, iniqui- uh, and to iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants to righteousness. How many understand that when the Bible says in this passage of Scripture, 
we ought to give a more earnest heed. How should we escape if we are neglectful? Now, here's the wonderful thing. I was, I was contemplating this this morning. I was thinking about this and uh, in, in, in just almost struggling with it because the Bible says that righteousness was given to you. Salvation was given to me. I didn't do anything to work for it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. And so now I'm, we, we are in a culture where we're like, okay, if I don't, do, if I don't need to do anything to receive, I, I, I just sit back and I, and I absorb and receive the good work of Christ. So righteousness is free to me. So if something is free to me, then I, I don't need to do anything to obtain it. How shall we escape if we neglect? So I read this word and I'm thinking, wait a minute, if, if righteousness is free, if, if salvation is free, what is this instruction to diligence? You know what I discovered? Righteousness is free and salvation is free. And this, the, the word is this wonderful treasure of, of the heart of the Father, this letter of invitation that was given to us. And then there is a diligence for me to go in and receive out of it. There is a diligence that, that, the, that the apostles are challenging us to. How should we escape if we neglect? The, a wise man, the Bible says this. Let, let's put it this way. A wise man considers a matter. A wise man ponders wisdom. And the Bible says that a foolish person just passes right on by and doesn't even give it consideration, doesn't take the time to consider so when he's talking to us about uh, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, he's saying, don't just receive the gift of God and then just skate on in. It's free, so now be diligent to receive in fullness this freedom that you have, to receive in fullness this gift that you have, to receive with full understanding and full wisdom and full counsel this wonderful gift that you have. How will you escape if you neglect? Don't neglect this. So he says, you used to yield your members to unrighteousness. How do we? How do we? Uh, how are we diligent about this? Yield your members to righteousness. Don't neglect. Yield. Oh, there's a good one. Don't neglect. Yield. Don't neglect. I'm going to say it again. Yield. What fruit had you in those things uh, whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Those things only brought trouble. Yield your, uh, your members to righteousness. You've been set free from sin. Verse 22, being now uh, made free from sin, becoming servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness, and the end of, uh, and the end of that is everlasting life. So for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Did you know we can be a believer, we can continue to be as a believer, a person who comes to Jesus and really receives him by faith. 
that continues to yield their, their members to unrighteousness will reap the fruit of unrighteousness in their own life. There's believers who go, who go on through utter trouble in their life, always in destruction. Like, what is wrong with me? But then when you unpack all of that and you sit down and you have a conversation, you begin to realize that they didn't come out of their stuff. It's like, let's receive Jesus, but stay in Egypt. No. Let's yield. Let's yield our members as members of righteousness. How shall we escape if we neglect? Then it says this wonderful thing. I love, I want us to focus on this. And uh, God bearing witness. Now, a lot of times we don't, I don't, uh, this is one of those terminologies that you read through and you just kind of blow through it. God bearing witness with signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts. don't, Don't blow through that statement. God bearing witness. He said in that passage, we bore witness as the apostles, those of us who were with Jesus, who heard and saw what he did, we bore witness of it. And then, and now, and now, and then God began to bear witness of it, of it by uh, signs and wonders and miracles and gifts. Whenever God does a miracle in your life, whenever, God, whenever there is healing, whenever there are signs and wonders, it is God bearing witness of himself. Isn't it wonderful? We don't, we're not the only witness. God's busy bearing witness of himself. Signs and wonders and miracles. Listen, the Bible says this, and, I, and I'm still confused by this. I'm as old as I am. The gifts in the, Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. It means God give, give you gifts. God poured out gifts into, the, into men, mankind according to his will. I believe they're formed in your, in, when you were in your mother's womb. The gifts of God, the things he intends for you to need in your life, they're formed in you when you're being formed formed in your mother's womb and god says here they are they're yours i'm not changing my mind about it now where that's really confusing to me is when i was young in the lord and when i was still struggling in some areas of my own flesh and in my own life and i would i I would stumble and i would fall and i'd go before the lord oh lord i messed up and i hear the lord say but i haven't changed my mind about you lord i blew it I haven't changed my mind about you. Lord, will I ever accomplish the things that you've called me to do in the earth? I'm not changing my mind about it. You know, we really ought to get free some things in this conversation right here. We ought to get free of some spiritual insecurity. I'll never be enough. And that's what he said. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never measure up. You don't have to. He hasn't changed his mind about what he deposited in you. He deposited in you and he says, I'm not taking it back. So then 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. He who has anointed us is God. Your gift, your calling, your anointing came from God. 
It is God bearing witness in your life. Oh, come on. It is God witnessing of his plans in you. It is God bearing witness of his plans in you. Uh, he, the, the one who anointed us is God. And then it goes on to say, he didn't stop there. And he said, and he has sealed us. Given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. How many like guarantees? And the Lord says, I put the Holy Spirit in your life and I put the Holy Spirit in your life not just for miracle signs and wonders, not just for gifts, not just for encouraging you, not just for being one called alongside you to help. I put Him in your life and it is my seal and my guarantee for where I'm taking you and what I'm doing in you. You're sealed and guaranteed. Oh, we could talk about that all day. We could just unpack that. You are sealed. You have a guarantee. When God says, speaks his promise to you, when he speaks his word to you, this is why his word becomes so important. Because for you to have it lived out in your life, you have to, you have, to have it deposited in you so, so that it can become fruitful in you. You have a guarantee from the Holy Spirit that as those things are deposited in you and that word begins to bring forth fruit in its season, in your life begins to uh, bear fruitfulness. You have, you have a guarantee. God's not halfway about his relationship with you, about what he desires to accomplish in you. And then it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, now he who has prepared us for this very thing, eternal life, he who has prepared us for eternity is God. He's anointed us. God. Who's anointed us? God. Who's prepared us for what is ahead? God. Come on, you have a father, you have God who is not just God of the whole earth, but he is God of you, the individual. And he has anointed you and he has prepared you. And he says again, given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. You, the, the, seal, the, the Holy Spirit in your life is the seal and guarantee of the promises of God coming to fruitfulness in you. I mean, come on, just just receive that for a minute and let that sink in. Because the enemy, the, the the only power the enemy has is to get you to talk you out of what God desires to do in you. His big thing in his in in his assignment is just to get you to talk you out of your blessing. To get you to talk you out of your fullness. To get you to talk you out of what God would like to accomplish in you. Out of what God plans to accomplish in you. Because only you can talk you out of it. Because God's given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Mark 16 and 20. Listen to this. Very familiar passage of scripture for most of you. They went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming his word with signs following. You ought to expect, and I ought to expect, that every time I speak the word of God, 
over circumstances and situations, that he's going to fulfill his word over that circumstance and situation as a seal, as a sign, as a guarantee. As a guarantee. Oh, come on. The Lord wants to bolster your faith a little bit this morning. He confirmed his word with signs following. God is confirming what God has said in you. God is continually confirming what God desires for you. God is continually testifying of himself to you and through you. And then he says, in Ephesians 4.30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. There's that guarantee. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that, that God was grieved in that, in, in, with the children of Israel as they went through the desert because of their unbelief. There's, only, there's really only one thing that grieves him, and it's unbelief. It's, he says, I, I want to work in your life. I want to bless you. I want to uh, work through you. I want to bring blessing. I want the kingdom of God to flow through you and be released out of you. I want the word of the Lord on your mouth, in your mouth and on your tongue. I want the promises of God to be fulfilled in you and through you. And we're like, yeah. That was good for Bishop Halverson. He's really righteous. That's good for the elders. But but I'm not sure that I quite measure up. It ain't about you. It hasn't been about you. It's only been about Jesus. And his work in you. It's only been about the kingdom of God. So God bears witness of his promises in you. God bears witness of his work in you. And he did it with signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts. Signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts. Say that. Signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts. Therefore, we must give a more earnest heed. To the things that we have heard. How many understand that whenever whenever the Holy Spirit says something like this just this this phrase, the beginning of chapter two, it, it's such an important phrase. Because he goes on and says, how, 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 to, how do we, how, how shall we escape if we neglect? We ought, we ought to give a more earnest heed. I mean, I understand when the Holy Spirit says that, that anything he says after that, we ought to be listening to. I'm asking the Lord to confirm some things to you this week. 
But in order for him to confirm himself in you and his purposes in you, you have to be willing for him to flow through you. When he says of the apostles, he worked with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders and, and miracles and gifts. They were doing something and he was working with them. And we must, we must get to the place in our life where we are no longer waiting on God to do something, that we are expecting God to move with us as we do the things that are in front of us to do, as we give expression to the kingdom of God. So I'm going to challenge you this week. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to believe the Lord that if, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. If you share faith with someone and, and endeavor to bring someone to faith, that those seeds will bring forth fruit. If you... Uh, are in circumstances where uh, family members are in trouble and you speak faith to them that God will confirm his word, that God will work with you. God wants to work with you. He wants opportunities in our life to bear witness of himself. Oh, we do this thing where, where the challenges of life arise and and we, and we fold our hands and we wait, we're waiting on God. And what I'm reading here in Hebrews challenges me that God is waiting on us. Amen. We're waiting on God. Oh, God, move in this situation. God, move in this situation. And God says, what are you going to do in this situation? As you move, as you speak, as you respond, I will confirm my word, I will bear witness of myself. I'm prophesying to you right now. The Lord is saying to you, I will bear witness of myself in you. This is deep. This is, this is deep. This, chew on this for a minute. This tastes good. This is not milk. I will bear witness of myself in you. Oh, what if I, what if I, what if I lay hands on that lady and she doesn't recover what if you don't lay hands on her and she would have what if i share my faith and they reject me what if you share your faith and they receive jesus What if in these situations that I'm facing where I'm struggling with unbelief, if I, if, if I, if I do let my faith be... What, what, what if? What if God moves? He's waiting for the opportunity to bear witness of himself. He's waiting for the opportunity to bear witness of himself in your life. Stand together. The prayer teams are coming. And I want them to be here today. And listen, I, this, is, this is so important. If everybody comes forward, the elders will just jump in there and help. 
There are some places, listen to me, there are some places in your life where you need the Lord God to bear witness of Himself in you. Where you need the kingdom to be given expression. Whereas you apply the word of God, you need, you need clear affirmation from the Lord as he bears witness of himself. As he works with you, confirming his word. In order for the Lord to confirm his word, his word has to be what is being expressed. As you give expression to the word of God, it is the desire of God to work with you, confirming his word with signs following.